this morning, I'm sure. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to see you all. You're looking great. So uh, it's interesting how some of the things that we've done already today just link in with what I have felt God needs us to be looking at today. And it's the joy of the Lord, actually, as the source of our strength. And so there's a verse in Nehemiah 8.10 that says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, oh, that's such a fitting verse, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you feel strong at the moment? <laughs> Maybe if you do, do you feel strong all the time, consistently? Do you know what? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus Christ is the one that strengthens us. And how does he do it? It's through the joy of the Lord. Philippians 4.4, 4, so just a few verses before that scripture that I just said, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we're also, we're told it throughout the scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the verse just says this, rejoice always. That's it. Rejoice always. Why does he want us to do that? because it strengthens us. It strengthens us. And at this time in our nation, in our position on the timeline of this age, we're told to rejoice always, at all time, and to be joyful, you know? So joy, it's different to happiness. Joy is a deep-seated sense of well-being. And no outside circumstance can alter or affect it at all. It's a deep-seated sense of well-being that no outside circumstance can alter. Paul, from, um, that we learn about Paul in the book of Acts, he was originally Saul and he had a dramatic conversion to Jesus. Prior to that, his uh, lifelong goal was to kill as many Christians as possible. <laughs> but he had a revelation of joy. Yet he also went through many, many trials. Let me just list a few of them for you. He was actually stoned. Now let me explain what that means. It, do it means something different than what most people think these days. Stoning was a method of killing people. Stoning was where a person was taken outside the city and rocks were hurled at them until they died. And Paul was stoned and yet he survived. That's in Acts 14. He was beaten. That's said in Acts 21. I'm just listing some of them. He was bound in chains. Has anyone ever been bound in chains? Acts 21 as well. He was imprisoned, Acts 23. He was shipwrecked. Has anyone survived a shipwreck? 20, Acts 27. <laughs> and he was also bitten by a deadly snake and survived as well. In fact, they, they, the people that saw him get bitten by that snake thought, oh, there's something wrong with this guy then. He's been bitten by a snake. But actually, he survived. He, and he wasn't affected at all. So when I say survived, it wasn't like he went to hospital and, and came right after a while. No, he wasn't affected at all. So Acts 28. So I know that I've been through lots of trials in my life, but honestly, none of those compare to what Paul went through. <laughs> Nothing. 
I've been through compares to what Paul went through. And yet in 2 Corinthians 7.4, Paul said, I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Exceedingly joyful. Wow. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? To be able to say that. I think that's cool. So how can that be? How could that be possible? How could he put, be full of joy through these trials? Well, Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence. The joy of the Lord is found in his presence. That's a revelation. It's in his presence that we find that joy that then becomes our strength. So if we're lacking joy today, if we're feeling depression, if we're feeling discouraged or fearful or anxious, those things put us into bondage. They make us slaves to those things, slaves to depression and fear and anxiety. And they can become strongholds unless we deal with them. They open doors of, uh, to the enemy as well into our life, unfortunately, but they do. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be strong and he wants us to be full of joy, no matter what the circumstances that are going on around us. So we know that to be strong in the Lord, we have to have joy. We also know that we find joy in his presence. So how can we find joy when we're feeling low? Because that's a hard thing, eh? Do you know what? We step out in faith. <laughs> Without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says in the Bible. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruits of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, it, we can be joyful if we step out in faith and offer him a sacrifice of praise. Now, that's talking about um, in good times and bad. And, and a sacrifice of praise is a sacrifice where, where it's, it's not something that comes naturally, you know. It's something you've actually got to consciously decide to do. It's hard to do it when you're feeling low, but bringing a sacrifice of praise, praising and thanking God continually, focusing on him, moves us into his presence. And Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And where are we going to find his presence? Yeah. The gates, the gates referred into, in that verse talk of a big entrance to a city. It's referring to the gates of heaven, and you could think of it as being. It's, it's how we enter into the presence of God. It's how we start. We start by saying, thank you, God. Thank you for this day, Father. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you, Father God, that I have life. Thank you for the salvation of my family. Thank you, Father God, for your provision. Thank you for your abundance blessing on my life thank you father god that you are almighty god wonderful father thank you father that you are jehovah jireh our provider and then the courts they refer to an inner court the inner court of god himself where he resides 
So that's, we enter into his court with praise. That's cool, eh? We've just been doing it. I don't know about you, but I feel a really sweet presence of God here today. When we start with thanksgiving, it prepares our heart to praise his name, and we want to enter and then dwell in the secret place. God wants us to dwell there. Um, Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and Him I will trust. You know, and this psalm goes on to talk about the deliverance and protection when we dwell in the secret place. And verse 9 of that same psalm says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. So it's that saying, and even further down, it even kind of reiterates in a slightly different way. So it's, it's not only important, it's doubly or triply important to make sure we're dwelling or inhabiting, we're, we're, we make it a place to live in the presence of God. You know, to, to dwell or inhabit means to live continually in that place. So we start with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise and we can worship him there and be in his presence. So how do we dwell there? We just spend time with God. We spend time with God. We can read the Bible. There's lots of ways we can spend time with God. You can be walking down the street and be spending time with God. You don't have to be sitting in a certain place in your house or you don't have to be at church to be in God's presence. You can be just within yourself. And um, earlier, a couple of days ago, I really, and I, I went, just I walked down our garden a wee way with my pad of refill and my Bible and a pen and I took a, um, a folding chair with me and found a nice spot in the shade. And it was lovely. And I just spent time, I, I pray, prayed a little bit, but I didn't pray a huge amount. But I just was reading the Bible and was in his presence. And in, the, in that place, God can start downloading stuff to you. He can start speaking to you. And boy, I, I said to Peter when I came back, I don't know, I think it was probably an hour or something, I felt so refreshed. I felt so different to when I'd started walking out there. Boy, it was great, and I want to keep doing that. <laughs> Hopefully you guys do too. So to dwell means to live in a place, to remain stable and fixed there. And John 15, I'm just going to read a, a few verses to you so the, um, the gospel of John chapter 15 I'm going to read verses 1 to 11 so Jesus is speaking here and he's saying I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you Abide in me. See, there's that word again. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. So we can't actually bear fruit without abiding in God. Um, 
neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you, are, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's a cool promise, isn't it? When we're abiding in, in God's presence, that means that our will will be lined up with his as well. And so we're not going to be asking for stuff amiss. The next bit says, But by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And then he goes on to say, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says this. This is really interesting. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That's cool, eh? So Jesus is giving the illustration of a vine and the branches of that vine to show the importance of abiding in him, being connected to him. So to abide means to remain stable and fixed. So it's closely related to dwelling in him and living in his presence. So Jesus is saying we need to abide in him so that we can be in his presence, so that our joy can remain full and we can be strong. That's cool, eh? We're, that's where our, our strength really lies as Christians. If we can be in that, that place of, of his presence all the time, our joy will be full and we will be strong. And no matter what life throws at us, we can handle it because we've got God on our side. Psalm 37 verse, verses 3 to 7 says, So many good psalms. They're awesome. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, there's so much in those verses, and I just want to go through it with you. Trust in the Lord. That's the first thing. We need to make sure we're doing that. Do good. Dwell in the land. So that means live. Live by faith. Live by faith. Feed on his faithfulness. God is faithful, you know. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's told us that multiple times in the Bible. He provides our every need. And then it says, delight yourself in the Lord. So to delight is to be soft and pliable. It's not rigid, not rigid in your thinking at all. It's being soft and pliable. So to delight in the Lord, it's a verb, it's a doing word. So this implies an action of requiring a, a soft heart and one that's open to hear God's voice. So to delight yourself in the Lord is to be soft and pliable, willing to bend and to respond, not stiff-necked or unteachable, obstinate or hard-hearted. 
The opposite of delighting in the Lord would be resisting the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7.51, Stephen, uh, he was an amazing man of God who actually was stoned um, and he, he went to heaven at that point. He said to his accusers, because he was given the opportunity to speak, and boy did he speak an amazing, an amazing hard-hitting message to um, his accusers. And, and by the way, the, his accusers were actually the religious leaders of the day. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. So what we need to make sure we do is we need to make sure we keep a soft and pliable heart, soft and pliable, open to hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, not being stiff-necked and un unteachable. And you know what God says in that verse straight after that? It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Then it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a cool promise, isn't it? That's, a, that's really awesome. So then it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him again, second time. Trust in him, so it must be important. Trust in the Lord. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. He shall bring forth your justice. Then it says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Now, I want you to notice that there's a, quite a lot of things that we should be doing that, that's being said here. Trusting the Lord, doing good, delighting in the Lord, committing our way to the Lord, trusting him again. Then it says there's three things that we need to leave to God to do. And those things are, he shall bring it to pass. We don't need to try and do things in our own strength. Our own strength is, is um, it fails, doesn't it? Because we get tired. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we get tired. So when we try and do things in our own strength, it's not, it's not going to work properly. Then it says, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. So he's going to do that. He's going to do that. And he shall bring forth your justice as well. So he will do that part as well. So rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. You know, Psalm 37, a couple of verses down, it says, those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. So it does line up with that um, word that God gave me on the 27th of October that said, learn to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Every single decision we make and action we take and word we say, we need to make sure that every move we make is led by the Holy Spirit. And we need to rely on him for even the little inconsequential things or even the things that seem to us as being inconsequential. We need to make sure we're relying on the Holy Spirit through all of our decision-making so that we always choose the right path. Because we're a light in the darkness. Hey, we're a light in the darkness. And others will come to the light. And we need to make sure we're relying on the Holy Spirit at this time. So Hebrews 12, 1 and verse 2 says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it's talking about all the ones up in heaven who've gone on to be with the Lord, 
Let us lay aside every weight and, every, and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And who do we look to? We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know, Jesus endured being nailed to the cross dying for each and every one of us because he could see beyond that cross. He could see the joy that he would know would be there in seeing millions and millions and millions of us finding salvation through him because of his sacrifice. Because of his sacrifice. So uh, it's just a short message today. Can I maybe have someone come and play some music by any chance? We're going to have um, communion soon, but I'm going, I just want to talk a little bit more um, you know, when Jesus was nailed to the cross just before he died, he said in Mark 15:34, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He'd taken on himself a man, he was a man who had never sinned, and he'd taken on himself all of the sin of mankind. And his body, this is another amazing thing too, because it's not just about the sin. He'd also taken on his body every sickness and every disease known to man. And it's sin that separates us from God. And that's why he said to the Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he was experiencing for the first and the last time what it was like to be separated from the Father, which must have been awful for him. But he did this for us, to redeem us from sin and sickness and disease. And to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. And there's nothing that we can ever do to make ourselves right with God. There's nothing that we can do at all. And so that's why Jesus needed to make that sacrifice. And I really love the psalm in, verse, in chapter, Psalm 22. It starts off with this. It's a prophetic, prophetic word, basically. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And further down in that verse, it um, goes on to describe what was going on in the physical and the spiritual realm while he was on the cross. And I just want to read a little bit of it to you. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths as a raging and roaring lion. You know... When Jesus was nailed to the cross, there was a whole lot of demonic hordes laughing in the spiritual realm. And they could not wait to get their teeth and claws into him. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. That would feel awful. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. 
I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that was a prophetic word of what Jesus went through, and he did it for you. He did it for you, all of us. And I know that most, if not all of us, know God, but I'm going to give you an opportunity anyway because I could be wrong. You know, we, there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with God. And it's not actually, it's not actually our fault. It was, it's something that's come down from the line of Adam into us. But Jesus is the only way to remove that separation between us and God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. So if you would, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, or if you, then this is just as valid, if you think that you'd like to recommit your life to God, then I want you to pray, pray this prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone to pray it. Father God, I believe that Jesus died for me. I acknowledge I've done things which are wrong. Please forgive me. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to the earth to die on the cross to make me right with you. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. Wow. Now, if, if you have actually made that decision, please let one of us know because we do have something for you to help get you on your way. Um, but that's the most important decision anybody could ever make, actually, is a decision for Jesus. And it's a perfect timing now to start to take communion and remember what Jesus actually did for us. Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25 says, The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, so he, did, he instituted, he, he did this before he died on the cross because he knew what was coming. And it says, The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And when we have salvation through Jesus, we can take communion at any time. And so we're gonna, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come up and, and uh, take uh, of the bread and the, the juice in which we'll remember what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us.